Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Hey, what's up, guys? I am so excited to present this next episode to you on the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House. So we are beginning a brand new segment here for the Tuesday episode of our sermon podcast. We are calling this Testimony Tuesday, and this is going to be a series of interviews. I was really inspired when I heard an interview, a long format interview with Pastor Harold Warner on the Tucson's Church podcast that they produce. It was so encouraging. It was so powerful. And the thought that I had was, We hear so many sermons, and we are, if you're like me, we are sermon junkies, man. We just can't get enough sermons. But one truth that I considered is that a sermon is powerful, yes, because it's the Word of God. We understand that. The Word of God has power to convict and to rebuke and to instruct and all of those things. The Holy Spirit speaks through preaching. That's why we listen to sermons. But we also have to remember that preaching requires a human instrument, and that's why a sermon is not just a message that is, you know, read aloud from the scriptures. A sermon is really a product of a life that is lived for Jesus, and that's why we recognize that men who do preach the gospel have a specific calling to prepare their lives And when you're preaching, it's more than just conveying information. You are imparting a piece of yourself into the audience that's listening to you. And so that's why it's so important to have an understanding, not just of the message being preached, but the preacher who is preaching it. And because I think that's so important, we have dedicated this Tuesday episode going forward to what we're calling Testimony Tuesday. And these are going to be long format interviews, uh, usually about one hour in length. And they are going to be with pastors that I have met, that I have interacted with. And uh, my hope is to have a, a long format interview of a testimony of a pastor uh, from from our fellowship uh, every Tuesday going forward. I'm really excited about it to get to have these conversations with men of God. And I hope today that you are also excited to hear these incredible testimonies. Uh, and so this first episode that we are doing for Testimony Tuesday is Pastor Nick Timig. He is a pastor currently pioneering in the city of Indianapolis. 
and I had the pleasure of going there to preach a revival for him just a couple of weeks ago, and he was generous enough to be the experimental guinea pig as we're getting this started, and uh, as you'll hear in the recording, I was uh, I was not feeling the greatest. My voice was about three keys lower than it is now, <laughs> so, um, so we apologize for that, but the content of Pastor Nick's testimony I think you'll find is very, very inspiring, and so I don't want to a delay anymore. Please enjoy this amazing testimony of grace that Jesus has done in the life of Pastor Nick Timig, pastoring in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, welcome, Pastor Nicholas Timig. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the opportunity <laughs> to be here. Awesome. And we are appreciative for your time. Uh, I've been here over the last few days here in Indianapolis preaching revival and been a great opportunity to get to know you a little bit. And so for this first interview that we're posting on our sermon podcast, I thought it would be a great opportunity for our listeners to hear your story and uh, to get to know you a little bit. And so why don't you first of all tell us where you're from and uh, where you grew up and what's your background? Okay, um, I'm from Michigan originally. Uh, I grew up in the East Lansing area and the suburbs of East Lansing, uh, DeWitt, Hazlitt, um, and different different areas around there. And then uh, as I got older, um, I ended up moving to Texas to uh, the Houston area, Humble. Uh, and I was there for my freshman year. And then I ended up moving back there my senior year. Uh, I kind of wanted to experience Texas right as I got there. I didn't have a bunch of friends. So I was like, I'm going to move back to Michigan. And then as I made the decision to move back, I made a bunch of friends. So I kept in contact with them, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back there for my senior year because my father um, paid a lot more strict attention to my comings and goings. My mother was a little more lenient. So I said, you know, for senior year, I really want to live it up, so I'm going to go to Texas where I know I have the opportunity to do that. Okay. And you said that was in your senior year of high school? Yes, sir. So uh, when you say live it up, what does that mean? Well, at the time I was uh, not living for God. I was living in sin. So basically um, do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, that was, uh, those were wild times. I don't want to glorify those, (laughs) but um, I got, I pretty much had the right of way to do whatever I wanted to. Um, My senior year, I would really just stay up, stay out all night, um, you know, go to different parties and things. I didn't have a car, so my friends would drive me around or my girlfriends would drive me around. And then uh, after I graduated, I lived in Texas for another year. And uh, that's when I got into doing a little more hardcore drugs, um, not just marijuana and and alcohol, but um, more pills and a lot of uh, ecstasy, uh, acid, cocaine, things like that, more of the rave scene drugs. And then it got to a point where I would um, go to different colleges that my friends had gone to because I applied for uh, colleges way too late. I think uh, it's kind of instrumental that parents, if they want their kids to go to college, get involved that junior and senior year um, rather than just kind of let their kids figure it out because there were several crucial steps that I missed along the way. 
And then when all my friends were headed off to college, I was like, what am I going to do? And I didn't take the ACT or SAT. So I took some community college admissions exams. Um, but I was like, no. And I just ended up working a job. And then I would buy a bunch of drugs. And then I would put them in a backpack. And I would go to these different colleges where my friends were living. And then I would sell the drugs all week to fund my trips. So I was going to San Marco uh, at Southwest Texas. I would go to Sam Houston, Texas, um, and just party and then sell sell drugs. Wow. <clears throat> Pretty wild lifestyle, huh? It, it was. <laughs> so uh, what, about, what about your spiritual background? Like, did you have any kind of religious history before that? So I grew up Catholic um, when I was... Uh, from ages, I'd say, kindergarten all the way to sixth grade, I was in Catholic school, and we would go to church, not just on Sundays, but we would actually go to church in school, I think every Wednesday morning. I was an altar boy, um, so I did know of Jesus, but in Catholicism, I think they talk a lot about Jesus, and they talk a lot about the Father, but they don't ever really talk about the Holy Spirit unless they're doing a sign of the cross before the dinner prayer. Um, and they say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. But other than that, you don't really hear about him. And so I think it goes along with that scripture about having a form of godliness, but denying the power. And that's kind of what I experienced um, as, a, as a young person. I I went to church, but I never saw people's lives drastically changed. Uh, it was put God in a box Sunday morning, and let's pull God out Sunday, and then once we get out of service, we'll put him back in the box, uh, and then we'll get him out next Sunday. And ironically, when I, when I say that, I think about there was an area of the Catholic Church where you had the main, what we would call the sanctuary, and then they had another area. We, they called it the cry room because you would take your kids in there so they could cry and keep them out of the main service. But in there they had what I believe they called it like the tabernacle. And it was a, li a little box where they kept the Eucharist and the, and the wine. And they would say, don't touch it. This is holy, you know. And so it was like ironically they were keeping god in a box hmm. and then they would get him out and then they would put him back in but uh needless to say that was not life changing and so as i grew up um i would still go to catholic church with my father periodically but i would just be there um really hung over or still high from the night before and my dad would say you know if you want steak and eggs you're going to go to church and i was like oh, i like steak and eggs so <laughs> That's good motivation. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it works in the Christian lifestyle, too. So <laughs> we, we invite people to barbecues. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So when you began living this party lifestyle and, and, and being like a de facto drug dealer, um, do you remember any glimpses of like God dealing with you or conviction along the way? Heavily. Um, when I would do, uh, sometimes I would do acid, and um, I would see people... And, you know, acid, it opens you up to, obviously, demon spirits, sorcery, uh, pharmacia. And so I would, 
I would see people and I would look at them and you would see kind of demonic manifestations within their personality when you were on some of those drugs. I also thought to myself at times, I'm like, I'm a child of Satan. Um, which, you know, biblically, the Bible talks about sons of God and sons of the right. devil. So that was actually true yep. at the time. Um, so, yes, I definitely uh, saw some of that take place. I also remember going to a party um, one time, and uh, I was from Humble, and we went across the tracks to a, uh, a little more uh, country bumpkin town known as Huffman, and they did not like people from Humble. Why? Because they were from Humble, no other reason. Well, there was another guy who was there, and he was probably like 6'5", and he was from Humble, big dude. And then there was a guy from Huffman named Crazy Robert. <laughs> and out of nowhere, we were just having a good time, and Crazy Robert ran into the middle of the party, growled and yelled, and then he punched uh, the individual as hard as he could, and the whole party like saw him go down, and there was blood everywhere, a pool of blood on the on the pavement. And then he proceeded to yell some obscenities and run off into the woods. And it was at that moment I was like, there is definitely evil in the world. Because I just saw evil manifested right in front of my eyes. And really for no apparent reason other than someone was from a different town. And I said, why did he hit him? And they said, because he's from Humble. And I said, well, I'm from Humble. Let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> I thought you. I thought that story was going to end with a huge brawl or something. No, <laughs> no, that, that's other stories, but not that one. All right, so so then uh, what happened from there you, uh, as you were in the party lifestyle? So uh, I was partying, and one time I went to Sam Houston, and I bought a half pound of marijuana. And we were um, pretty much smoking all week. And it got to the point where I was coughing up blood, waking up, you know, just... And so... And how old were you when this happened? uh, 19. Gosh, wow. And people, you know, they glorify the sinful lifestyle, and the Bible says it's pleasurable for a season. So, yeah, there was times where we were smiling and laughing. But no one likes to talk about the time when they're waking up, throwing up blood. Yeah. And so, um, and coughing up blood. So, I... I, uh, at, towards the end of the week, I traded some of my marijuana for some other drugs and I was on ecstasy, acid, drunk and high that night on, it was a Friday. We were headed from the college to my friend's trailer, which was, um, about 30 minutes away. And there was a car, my friend was driving in front of us and then I was in the car behind and we were smoking a blunt and, uh, there was another oncoming car. And they didn't have their lights on. So the guy who was with me thought, I'm going to signal that oncoming car to turn their lights on. And he flashed his lights. Well, some cops saw him signaling and they said, you know what? They're probably trafficking drugs and that's why he's signaling. Which we were trafficking drugs, ironically. But um, So they pulled us over and uh, they, I shoved all the marijuana I could in my underpants and then turns out we left one bag on the floor and I didn't see it. And so they got us out of the car and I, I just looked like I was a mess, you know, but, um, they put me up against the hood of the car and, and searched the car. And then they pulled out the bag of marijuana and they said, look what we found. You're going to jail. 
and they said, is there anything else we should know about? And I just proceeded to reach in my pants, and they thought I was going to go for a gun. So they're like, oh, and I was like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's fine. And I reached in, and I pulled out a bag of marijuana after. I pulled out nine bags of marijuana. Uh, and they were like, okay. And so then they, and they said, is this everything? And I said, yeah, this is everything. So they threw me in the back, put me in cuffs. I, they went to my friend's trailer, searched it. They threw us all in jail. And then they said, you know, we want to get you to be an informant, which I kind of played along because I wasn't going to inform, but at the same time, I uh, I didn't want a, a felony, so they busted it down to a misdemeanor if I agreed to play along. So I just said, yeah, some guy named Robert, I didn't give him the last name, but whatever I could do to kind of get out of the felony charges. And then when I got out of uh, jail, uh, which was not a good experience, um, I said, you know what, I need to get out of this area, I need to, I need to change the scenery. So I called the judge, and I said, can I... Uh, join the military and if i do that you know if i went to jail or if i paid the the the, uh paid for the crime through the state it would be probations fines and community service i said this would be um kind of a probationary period i would be in the military and it would you'd waive the fines and i would do a service to my country and they agreed to that wow and That's so, kind of a miracle. Huh? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> God is graceful, um, even in our stupidity. Uh, so, I uh, joined the Navy, um, and in the Navy, I went through boot camp, and um, it, it wasn't easy, but I made it through boot camp. But I was getting in trouble in boot camp. I got in trouble. I had 17 Saturday detentions my senior year in high school. Obviously, I got in trouble with the laws afterwards and then even in boot camp I was getting in in trouble and uh, I, I graduated boot camp and then I went to a school and um, I didn't get much trouble in a school but I got in little and then after I graduated a school and uh, went to my ship the first night I was there um, I was looking for something to do and I, I recognized a guy from boot camp and he said hey we're all going to a club so I went to this club with them, and I got drunk, and I came back to the ship, and uh, they said, you know, how old are you? And I said, I'm 21. And they're like, no, how old are you? I said, I'm 21. They said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 21. And they said, we're calling the Master at Arms, which is like the ship police. And I said, okay, I'm 19. And they said, okay, go hit your rack. Who's your chief? And I said, you know, and I gave them my chief's name. And then the next uh, few days, uh, I laid in my rack, and I just kind of cried out to God. Wow. Yeah, I got up to eat, and other than that, I just really cried out to God. I, I knew I needed to change because I was like, I've been in trouble here. I'm in trouble here. And now I just got to my duty station. I'm in trouble. Man. And so uh, the next day, I went to the laundromat. And I walked in, and I remember seeing Tony Silva, um, who's a pastor now in uh, the uh, Jacksonville area. And I said, hey, what time is it? And uh, he said, it's 5.30. I said, oh, okay. I remember the time like it was yesterday. And I walked out, and then he just comes running after me. I'm like, who is this dude who's running after me? <laughs> but I didn't have any friends, you know, so I just talked to him. And he's like, hey, you got a church you go to? I'm like, oh, this is a church guy. <laughs> Um, but, uh, 
he, he began to talk to me and uh, he said, you know, well, where would you go if you died tonight? And I said, I hope I'd go to heaven. I'm a good person. You could trust me to babysit your kids and everything. And he said, but do you have a relationship where you speak to God and he speaks back to you? And the and he speaks back to you part really stuck out to me because I had prayed a ton of prayers as a Catholic. And I had prayed even as a, you know, just a sinner out there lost. And I was just praying in my rack and I never heard the Mm. voice of God. So I thought to myself, if I've never talked to God he's probably not going to invite me to crash on his couch for all eternity. So I said, yeah, I'm probably going to go to hell. <laughs> and he said, well, you don't have to. You can be saved. And I thought, what is this save business? <laughs> and so I said, what do you mean save? And he's like, well, we don't party. We don't go to clubs. We don't drink. We don't mess around with girls. We don't do drugs. And I said, well, what do y'all do? That's my whole life. But the very things that he was rattling off were the very things that, though they seemed fun on the outside and I would brag to my friends about, were the very things that I was going to bed at night hoping I could change. Mm. So it was timely. And I said, I don't know. And then he, he gave me that scripture. If a man wishes to seek his life in this world, he'll lose it. But if a man gives his life for my sake and the gospels, he'll save it and he'll have life and life more abundant. And when he said that, it stuck out to me like God revealed exactly what the scripture meant in that if you're looking for life and the cool house and the nice car and the jet skis and the trophy wife and the pedigree dog and the summer home, you know, not that any of those things are evil, but you'll lose your life. It'll fly right by in an instant. But if you give your life for my sake in the gospel, meaning reaching people, what he was doing to me right now, reaching out to me, then you'll save your life and you'll have real life here on earth and then life in heaven, more abundant. And so I was like, ooh, wow. And I said, you know what? Take me to get my haircut and I'll get saved. Because I needed a haircut. And I was too prideful to just be like, I desperately need Jesus. So he took me to the mall, and I got the worst haircut of my life. I think God did that on purpose. And then uh, we walked to his car, and uh, I said, well, what is a save thing now? Let's do this. You know, because I was kind of, uh, you know, it was like a keg stand. I'll do a keg stand. Let's do it. So in my mind, I'm like, let's do this save thing. I don't know if we're going to jump off a cliff or what. But then he's like, all right, sit down in the car. And I sat in his uh passenger seat and he was in the driver's seat and then he said pray this prayer with me and he just prayed a simple sinner's prayer and uh, I compare it to the Grinch where he has the giant (laughs) bag of presents and then all of a sudden it's lifted off I had this weight of sin upon my shoulders that was overwhelming and in the moment I prayed that prayer it was like that weight was lifted some people say I don't feel anything well I'm not going to lie I felt changed i felt different god touched me in that prayer and it was amazing wow wow what a miracle huh yes man so uh, so give me a sense of the timing like how how old were you at this point i was 19 it was december 11th it happened about uh 7 30 at night and um right after that we went to popeye's chicken and i began <laughs> to check out some girl and god's like don't look at that. I've called you to reach out to her. And I was like, whoa, where did this voice come from? Because my conscience, I could just blow that off in an instant. 
but that was not the conscience, you know, that I knew that was the Holy Spirit. So this is a very tumultuous year for you. Yeah. This was the, the depths of the lows and then the heights of the highs. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was definitely, I was, there was a lot of changes. But I think looking back, God reached me um, before I could make a bunch of stupid sinner friends <laughs> that would drag me down. He reached me right as I got there, right as I was in the low point. And here's one thing that I, you know, I always go back to. I'm 40 years old. I've never been witnessed to before in my whole life except for that one day. Hmm. Never once. Well. Yes, we hope you enjoyed the first 20 minutes of this incredible interview with Pastor Nick Timig from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is there is an additional 40 minutes of this interview uh, that is already prepared for you to listen to. Uh, the bad news is, well, maybe it's not so bad. Uh, that we are reserving the rest of that interview for our premium subscribers only. The reasons it's not really bad news is because when you subscribe, you're going to be supporting world evangelism. If you are new to this podcast, uh, you may not know that we are putting 100% of all proceeds toward world evangelism. We are not taking a dime. We are covering costs, and then we are giving everything that comes in to this podcast uh, from our premium subscriptions, we are going to put them together and support world evangelism. So if you've got a heart for world evangelism and you want to hear the rest of this interview, we encourage you to go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you are in Apple Podcasts, that is very easy for you to do. There is a button that says subscribe, and that would be $4.99 per month if you are in Apple Podcasts. If you want to save a few bucks, you can go to our Sermon Podcast website at Supercast. Both of these links are in the show notes, and if you sign up to be a premium subscriber at supercast.tech, uh, there is a cheaper price available there for only $3 a month. You can get sermons every single day, and uh, we think that's a great value for you, and you get to support world evangelism at the same time. So uh, go ahead and check that out. We appreciate you listening today, and we look forward to having you back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is Wayman Wednesday. We've got a sermon ready for you, and uh, that will be out very soon. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.